0: I'm Mike DiCibato and this is the weekly segment of ESG Now. This week I'm joined by Megan Eastman and Matt Muscardi. And now the news with an ESG twist. Today. Why did a fast food company invest in an artificial intelligence startup?
1: I wonder if it opens them up to a you know, possible inadvertent misuse of technology. When you think about some of the AI recruiting. You know, sorting people types of applications that we've seen recently that turn out to be discriminatory.
0: And then the ongoing opioid crisis saw its first high profile lawsuit settlement as Purdue Pharma settled a lawsuit in Oklahoma for $273 million. The
2: the big coup here for, for Purdue and for the industry is much like in the banking sector, they did not admit to wrongdoing.
0: Okay, McDonald's Corp announced plans to acquire Dynamic Yield, a company based in New York and Tel Aviv that's specializing in like digital decision logic tech, whatever that means, for 300 million. And the company is going to develop these mutating menus that recommend items to customers based on the weather, time of day, and the business how busy the store is at the moment and this seems to be a story on the use of data to court customers even though it's kind of an odd one uh but that's usually been for like online shopping because of the ease which people can just add things to cart to carts matt what's the deal with mcdonald's adding ai to their menus
2: um so this is my favorite story of the week like by far um it does seem like McDonald's spent three hundred million dollars to accomplish what they might have accomplished by opening a window and seeing like if it's warm outside and people want to make flurry right like doesn't it It seems like egregious use of tech.
1: I wonder if it opens them up to you know possible inadvertent misuse of technology when you think about some of the a i recruiting you know sorting people types of applications that we've seen recently that turn out to be discriminatory or you know, if they end, right, if they end up marketing, you know, certain menus in African American neighborhoods and other menus and uh, neighborhoods of other ethnicities and, you know, in ways that end up not being good optics for the company, or there's a whole health angle and do they end up, you know, pushing their even more unhealthy options over their healthier options, or vice versa, I suppose, you know, it could work both ways, but I, I do wonder just what might be the unforeseen implications
2: and then there was like that amazon facial recognition that that actually identified like four members of congress as convicts there is a world in which you know the implementation of ai while i i, I guess could go really really wrong it could just go badly especially like the application at mcdonald's is already a little bit kind of like okay i, I mean you did you need AI for that or?
0: Yeah. And McDonald's made this investment while they are also addressing issues with their labor force. There's this ongoing fight for 15 protests for wage hikes by fast food workers, which actually McDonald's announced on Tuesday that it was halting lobbying against that uh, protest. And, it's also as McDonald's is trying to refranchise thousands of its stores to lessen its direct liability over labor issues in those in those franchised chains. So is this acquisition just another way for McDonald's to cut its labor force?
1: I don't see how it cuts people at this point until you start have replacing uh, cashiers with kiosks. They've sort of
2: and they've sort of already done that. Like I, I don't know the the it the the weirdest part I think if I were to distill this down like why why I would care about this would is a McDonald's went vertical on this right like they they bought it right? so they didn't like think oh AI could s- solve something they went and bought it B what they're solving for seems like something um, that you're not there's not a tr- huge efficiency gain right like they're solving for the user experience the mis- the potential for misuse is significantly higher than the potential efficiency gains on the surface.
1: And not just deliberate misuse, but accidental misuse.
2: Accidental, right. Accidental misuse. And then you're in a situation where McDonald's actually exposes itself to all sorts of, you know, brand and privacy risks that it didn't have before, all because they decided to go vertical and add McFlurries on cold, on, on warm days,
0: Okay, so next, Purdue Pharma is was one of several firms named in a Oklahoma lawsuit alleging the company used deceptive practices to sell opioids. But Purdue Pharma just reached a $270 million settlement on Tuesday while continuing to deny the claims. In the settlement, now they're going to have to build a new center to study addiction, and it's the latest burn to the Sackler family, the billionaire owners of Purdue Pharma, but Megan, you wrote about the opioid crisis in our Bitter Pills report. Is this settlement a watershed moment for other opioid manufacturers like Johnson & Johnson and Allergen?
1: I suppose it could be. It's certainly not the first court case or the first settlement. These have been going through kind of on the back of a variety of different cases in different jurisdictions for a number of years now. And in fact, Purdue first paid a whopping settlement a good 10 years ago. So this is another one, uh, but I would expect to see more companies getting caught up in this. And I, we did this analysis about a year or so ago. I worked with Leslie Slingado, who's our uh, consumer analyst, and we did some interesting analysis looking at um, you know, how vulnerable companies would be. And I think kind of the interesting piece is that there's a lot of different pharma companies that make opioids, but some of them are real pure plays, and some of them it's a teeny percentage of their overall We farm a portfolio. And so, you know, even a pretty hefty fine or penalty related specifically to opioids might not hurt them that much. So a company like Johnson & Johnson, even if it ends up uh, getting called on the carpet, so to speak, uh, it might not actually hurt the company that much.
2: It's sort of, of, doesn't it sort of feel like a speeding ticket though? Even for Purdue, the the big coup here for, for Purdue and for the industry is much like in the banking sector, they did not admit to wrongdoing which means you you're in a situation where every single case has to be relitigated
1: i think the, the bigger potential threat is regulatory change and you know who knows what we're going to see under the current american administration but restrictions on how much you can produce how much you can sell restrictions on other Players in the pharmaceutical value chain, whether it's the pharmacies or the distributors or whatever, that that seems to me like a bigger threat to these, especially pure play or you know heavy involvement companies, than the actual lawsuit.
0: Well, speaking of the lawsuit, Purdue Pharma is a private company, and it's been dragged more in the media because. These emails were found where its billionaire owners, uh, the Sackler family, were trying to shift negative attention onto opioid addicts rather than onto the practices of the pharmaceuticals. And I'm curious, how does the private versus public company angle play into this? Have public companies found themselves more exposed to problems because of the malfeasance of these private pharmaceutical manufacturers?
2: I think it's just what they they make. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with private or public. I actually think it has to do with the nature of what they're producing. Um, the the disadvantage to being the public company is you have an in, a group of investors who can pressure you to do something different. To you know ask about you know how many lawsuits and what are you how are you negotiating and engagement processes. Those things usually those processes aren't necessarily public, but the investors can actually make some asks or, or demands. Saying change.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a good point, Matt, because one of the things that I've found interesting about this issue is that we sometimes get investors coming to us who are thinking of it as uh, something like they might want to screen out opioid makers the way they would tobacco or gambling or something. And we actually haven't found that many who've ended up doing it because it is more complicated than that. And I think to a lot of our clients, it actually does make sense to engage rather than to just you know, exclude from a portfolio because The opioids themselves have legit medical purposes when they're used appropriately. And of course, a lot of these companies make a lot of other things that are social goods in one way or another. So it kind of requires a more nuanced view.
0: That's it for the ESG Now's weekly segment. I'm Mike DiCibato, and this week I was joined by Matt Muscardi and Megan Eastman. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll see you next week. Okay, so two women were supposed to spacewalk together on Friday, but there weren't enough medium-sized suits.
1: Yeah, when I first saw it, my my first reaction was, wait, it's not April Fool's Day yet.
2: I would actually suggest that maybe um, NASA could take a page out of McDonald's and vertically integrate some AI to um, monitor (laughs) the sizes of
1: its
0: suits. they got to have different weather suits. A a
1: spacesuit need prediction algorithm?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, like when negative it negative 1,000 degrees outside? Astronauts... Or a positive 1,000
0: degrees? <laughs> how, will, how will
2: astronauts know whether they want the freeze dried ice cream? Dip um, If not for AI, <laughs> for AI. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940.